Hello and welcome to the Rationable Podcast, your weekly deep dive into how science and critical thinking make you immune to scams, fads and hoaxes. I am your host, Abhijit. Let's dig in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rationable Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about what is evidence. We're going to be doing a whole series of blogs and podcasts all focused on what is evidence, what are the different grades of evidence, and why is each grade where it is. Uh, The last time we talked about uh, randomized control trials, which are a very important part of the evidential process, especially for medicines and diets and exercise and basically most things that have to do with human bodies. And today we're going to be talking about anecdotal evidence. Now, what is anecdotal evidence? I'm sure you've heard the term floating around, but uh, let let me lay this out for you. Every single day, we hear people telling us, um, I saw it with my own eyes. It worked for me. It changed my life. Or I swear by it when they're talking about, I don't know, something that they've done, whether it's been a diet or some sort of a medication they've taken or an ointment of some sort. But we hear this around us all the time. Anecdotes are everywhere and we encounter them every day. It's the way we humans share information. But there is a problem when it's presented as evidence for a scientific claim. Then it's called anecdotal evidence or an argument from personal experience, which is also a logical fallacy called, uh, you guessed it, the anecdote fallacy. This is the weakest form of evidence that anyone can present for any claim that they make. So should we believe them? Let's dig in, shall we? Now, before we jump into this, I want to just give you a quick disclaimer. I've referred to human evolution and its effects on the way we think and our attraction to anecdotal evidence. There is some research out there, which I will link in the show notes, but most of this is just speculation on why anecdotes are so much more attractive to us based on my understanding of human evolution and development. I am not an evolutionary biologist or an anthropologist or a neurologist, Uh, but if you are, and if I have made any mistakes here, please contact me, let me know. Uh, However, this isn't central to my argument, so it shouldn't affect my overall conclusions. Okay? Right, let's get started. Now, imagine this. You're at a party. You see a friend drinking heavily and he drives home at the end of the night. The next day, you give him a call and ask why he didn't just take a cab. I admit, you should have probably talked about this the previous night, but, you know, when you're down a few drinks, you're not really open to conversations like that. Anyway, he tells you, dude, I've been driving home drunk for years. I've always been fine. In fact, I drive better when I'm drunk. That sounds a bit crazy, right? But there are people all over the world who are saying the same thing. People have said this to me. 
and i have to be completely honest there was a time when i told this to other people but does that make it right of course not tens of thousands of drunk driving accidents and scientific studies have proven beyond doubt that drunk driving is ridiculously dangerous the evidence is against your friend and he needs to start calling ubers to your parties let's uh, look at a more innocuous example say your favorite aunt tells you that she has a sure shot treatment for your migraines that involves a particular ground herb soaked in milk overnight you have to wake up at 5 am and drink it your headache will be gone she says it's worked for her multiple times and swears it'll work for you should you believe her what's the harm first of all check your biases every day our experiences are colored by our prejudices our belief systems and our biases you think you don't have biases sorry buddy you are stuck with them even i'm biased and to be honest they are the hardest damn things to counteract but we must but this is probably just the way that our brains are wired we haven't evolved to think rationally and logically but rather just to survive we are better off accepting what our friends and families believe because it leads to better social structure than if we started ruffling feathers with unpopular beliefs believe me i know this from personal experience now you see what i did there personal experience okay so in that vein if we have had bad experiences with doctors we might be more open to alternative medicine if we had strange experiences that we couldn't explain like sleep paralysis or hearing weird things at night we might believe in the supernatural like ghosts or spirits it might be something that our family has spoken about as if it were true and we've just always assumed that these things were fact so as we go through life we live through these multitudes of experiences right each of them changes the way we think just a little bit and this becomes a part of our identity adding to this our brains build up an incredible number of cognitive biases through our lives based on these experiences that's why if someone tells you you're wrong about something our natural instincts kick in we dig our heels in because otherwise we become vulnerable and vulnerability isn't suitable for survival we feel weakened we think the opponent has won now coming back to when i thought keto was ultimate which i keep going back to um at that point of time people laughed at me they ridiculed me they tried to talk sense into me but i was convinced that the science was clear and that they were just behind the times and if it had become a part of my identity at one point even though it, i still couldn't seem to sustain it maybe that's just me being weak uh, at least that's what i thought but it helped me lose weight when i was consistent surely that meant i was right right now you can imagine my surprise and confusion when i saw bigger better scientific evidence saying there wasn't anything special about keto it showed me why and how it worked but i didn't want to let go i just couldn't ignore the evidence i learned later that i had a massive confirmation bias and to some extent i was feeling the dunning kruger effect where i lacked knowledge but was confident about my beliefs in fact the dunning kruger effect says that the less you know about a topic 
the more likely you are to be more confident about that exact topic. I'm sure you, you've probably seen this happening around you. Now, the, this effect is what made me dig my heels in and stick, my, stick to my ideas. Like this, we all suffer from multitudes of biases that affect how we think and that we make logical fallacies when we try to justify them. And this is where the anecdotal fallacy comes in. Now, what is that? Now, the anecdotal fallacy, right? Let's go back to what I said about believing what our friends and families tell us, or for that matter, what our social and religious and political leaders tell us. This is usually because we like hearing about people's personal stories. And the more important they are, the more weight we give it. If you look at this from a purely evolutionary perspective, it makes sense. Science feels cold and impersonal. I think this is probably because it's such a new way of thinking relative to our existence on this planet. For hundreds of thousands of years, we've been sharing stories with each other and sometimes believing them could mean life or death. Personal stories are easy to connect with. That's one reason I add my own experiences to my writing because it just makes it more human and relatable. Now, we live in a time where it has become more important than ever to figure out what's real and what's not. Just because something is right for you doesn't mean it's objectively true for everyone. That is why the anecdotal fallacy pulls us further away from the truth. Our biases and fallacies are getting a hold of us and leading many people astray, like flat earthers, anti-vaxxers, climate change deniers, and fans of alternative medicine. Anecdotes are just not good enough anymore. We have scientific and critical thinking tools that can help us find facts behind any topic. We need to use them to present empirical, falsifiable evidence for our claims, or else we will simply lose the argument. There's one more thing that really warps what we tell each other in our anecdotes. We humans are terrible at parsing out variables. If we think a particular alternative medicine works like a dream, not only are our confirmation biases kicking in, not to mention the placebo effect, but we also don't see the other variables surrounding this treatment that may also be contributing. Like that aunt who swears by the herbs in the milk. Is, is it that the herbs are actually helping? What chemicals in those herbs could help? Was it the milk that helped ease the headache? Or was it waking up at 5am? Could all of these be having some effect or another that we don't know about? Or could they all be completely benign and her headache just went away by itself? Headaches have a tendency of doing that, you know. But how do we know what was having the effect? These variables can only be accounted for when each of these is taken separately and tested independently, like in blinded randomized controlled trials. But don't get me wrong, I'm not dismissing our experiences and beliefs offhand. Anecdotes can be useful, they can hold value. They are a part of you and they shouldn't be ignored at a personal level and at a scientific one. After all, when we conduct research, say like on a randomized control trial, our first source of information in many cases will be the participants' experiences. But to cancel out the biases and the other differences between all the subjects, we need to make sure that we include as many people as we can in such studies. 
That's why research and surveys need large sample sizes of people to make them more reliable. That's also why well-researched scientific findings are also far more reliable than anecdotal evidence. So, in conclusion, whatever happened to that aunt of yours with the herbal milk potion, should you believe her? Of course not. There are so many other variables that could have stopped her headaches that we just can't know for sure. Maybe they could have gone away on their own. Plus, she's probably got a bias towards natural remedies. Her claims can be checked by the scientific method. If she can find RCTs on that herb and its consumption with milk, she should be able to share them with you. As compelling as anecdotes can be, they shouldn't be taken as proof of anything. If they are backed up with good science, you can probably believe it. But do your own digging and get to the bottom of it. Try and find multiple independent studies to confirm those findings. If it gets turned around on you, provide the evidence. If you don't know the answers, it's perfectly alright to say you don't know. In the worst case scenario, if you get slammed with excellent arguments and reliable evidence to prove your position is wrong, have the humility and the intellectual honesty to admit that you are wrong. It's when you are wrong that you have the opportunity to learn something new, something truthful. Learning new things will make you smarter. And we should all strive to be smarter every day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to read the blog version of this episode along with all the citations and references, or if you have any ideas, comments or suggestions, please visit BeRationable.com. You've been listening to The Rationable Podcast. See you next week.